offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome to Sabbath School University. I'm Jeffrey, and here we have Michael, Shauna, and Ashley with us today. Today we're going to talk about faith and healing, but before we do that, I would ask Shana, if you could pray for us as we begin. Yes, um, I'll be praying in Tamil. Okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shana. So today's study is going to be on faith and healing. And, uh, you know, the lesson begins by talking about um, the, the first, the introduction of the lesson, you know, just opened my eyes. Uh, and it's, it's saying... You know, it's asking a question, what is one of the most dreadful things in, in life as we live on this earth, right? And, you know, I was thinking, you know, it's death. And, you know, no one wants, it's inevitable, but we all, you know, one day will pass. And it's, it's hard to see family members being lost and all these things. But, you know, that, the lesson says that that is so earth-centered. And it is about our lives now it's kind of selfish but we are not living here for eternity and our life is not here for eternity we have an eternal life and that's where our mind should be on our spiritual life not just our physical well-being but our spiritual well-being as well so do you guys have any thoughts on that as we start the lesson yeah, our, this world is completely temporary, mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, we just grab on to stuff like, like you said, death. Mm -hmm. If a family member dies, you know, that's the worst possible thing that can happen. Mm -hmm. And other things that people grab on to, you know, it might not be something bad. I know people who, like, idealize, um, idolize, like, movie stars or even, like, somebody they might get married to. And stuff, you know, they're always like, oh, Smith says this, Smith says that, Smith likes it if I dress like this. But, you know, all this stuff is definitely temporary. And our, the first thing that should be on our mind is Jesus. Right. So, you know, it's like you were saying, it's devastating, right, to, to, to see people fall sick or get cancer or, um, you know, even pass away, even kids. So how can we find hope in that? You know, we we are not made for life here. We are made for life in heaven. And, you know, we, we sometimes tend to focus on the fact that we need to be physically healthy and, you know, more sometimes than spiritually healthy. So how can we find hope with, say, a person in the hospital, you know, who's like on their deathbed or they're really, really sick? So how can we or give them hope or give them comfort um, based on what we, we were just saying that um, we are, you know, focusing on life, you know, not here. I think one of the, I think one of the most encouraging things when you're, when you're dealing with uh, sickness mm -hmm. or, or, or death um, is the faith that we find through scripture. 
And, and not everyone finds faith in scripture. Not everyone is faith-based. So I think one of the, that's one of the beautiful things of being faith-based. But when you're encountering death, sickness, um, the biblical promises that we come up against, I think this is what helps get, gets us through those situations or the encouragement that we can give others. Uh, knowing that there is a purpose you know, in our other lessons, we talked about what is our purpose. And knowing that there is a purpose, I think that can really help us uh, draw a stronger foundation for whatever experience that we're going through or that maybe a loved one is going through. And so when we talk about faith and healing, we, we, can't, always ha we can't always expect that our faith will lead us to healing. But I think faith in, in, in the simple fact that it will um, uphold you in your weakest point, because you are aware that there is a purpose. Mm -hmm. I think that's encouraging. Right. Mm -hmm. it is. And I think also, I mean, I guess to piggyback of what you were saying, it makes all of our problems seem less finite, that it's not, that's, this is not the end, that there's a purpose and there's something after and further and bigger than the mm -hmm. things that we're going through. We, could, we tend to just sort of look forward and see our problems but they're not final. So there's gonna be a day where there will be no more crying and no more mm. death and all of that. There's, there's hope in that. Yeah, and I, I think that is the best way to comfort people who are struggling. Um, you know, I have a friend who, um, you know, in her family, her, grand, her grandfather especially, lost, um, in his immediate family at least, lost three different people mm -hmm. um, in the span of like a month. Mm -hmm. And it, it was crazy because, um, you know, if one person passes, that's itself is bad. And then you have three people, you know, who, who you know, pass away and you start thinking why, you know, why is this happening? Um, you know, sometimes we don't know why, you know, God is in control, but we don't know why things happen. Um, but we do have that hope, like you were saying. We do have that hope that one day we will see them in heaven. You know, one day uh, there will be no more sadness, no more death, no more crying. And that is the hope. That is the best hope that we can, uh, you can have in situations like, um, like that. So as we go uh, more into our study, um, we, we see a lot of healing uh, in Jesus' ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, in his uh, healing ministry. And there's a story of how he healed a leper, and leprosy was, uh, you know, something you don't really talk about, you don't deal with, and they were considered, what, what were they considered? Untouchables, Untouchables right? Um, and I'm sure there are some parts in the world, sadly, that still consider people, you know, untouchables. Um, but Jesus... Um, he healed this leper um, not just by saying, be healed. He went and touched the leper. Yeah. I, think, I think the physical act of Jesus mm -hmm. touching this leper, uh, it, it broke barriers yeah. in this cultural generation that, 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 mm -hmm. that is being presented here. Because um, you know, as, we, as, we were, as we're reading through the lesson, the untouchable individual uh, one of the most despised Gentiles, and of course, lepers, you know, um, it's major for Jesus to have reached out and touched this individual for healing. Mm 
And I think if we just take that concept and we look at, and we look at it, uh, break it down a little bit about what it means in our lives, not just in the leper, mm -hmm. the, the act that Jesus will reach out and touch you. Yeah. Um, we're not worthy. Leper, leper or no leper, we're not worthy to be touched by the hand of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he's willing to do that for us is a statement that he's making to the world um, and to the world around him that this individual is no less than. This individual is just as worthy as. And I think that when we think about the example Christ gave, and I'm not saying that we need to, you know, in present day, one of us would go out and necessarily touch someone that has a communicable disease. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not all in a spiritual state where our physical touch may be able to bring forth healing. But I think the symbolic act that he portrayed uh, when healing that leper speaks to a position, a characteristic that we can all embody at yeah. some point in our lives in interacting with others. True, and I, I guess my question, piggybacking off of what you just said, would be how practically how would that affect our ministry? And who, I mean, whether societally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, who are the untouchables now that we can so, like, I don't know, quote unquote, touch within ministry? I guess um, when you look at, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, certain people that we see that are not, I guess, up to our level of, of standing in society or even our level of dressing or, you know, uh, in, in wealth or anything. Mm -hmm. And they are, um, if, if, especially in other countries, if you look at other countries, and, you know, these are people who have nothing. And then, you know, you kind of don't want to mingle with these people because of how they look, because of how they smell, because of how uh, the situation they're in, because you're better than them. But there's no one better than anyone else, right? Yeah, we are all in this together and yeah. we're, they may be <laughs> better than we are. Yeah. Just because you're better in your job or you know, in a higher standing in society doesn't mean you're better than them. And so in terms of um, you know, ministry and how we, see untouchables now there may not be lepers all over um and considered untouchables like it was back then but there are people who need the love of other people and are we ready to to give them that love and are we ready to touch them and you know comfort them and show them that you know there is someone there's there are people who care there are people who will touch you who will talk to you you know so right i feel like um not only did Jesus touch the leper, but something that's kind of overlooked in the story is um, Jesus sends the leper to the priest. Mm. So um, why do you guys think he sends them to the priest? Like, um, I always thought, you know, sort of to show the priest, you know, to, to, so he could ha the priest himself could have faith because they knew that this person had leprosy. And for the leper to go saying, I was healed, Jesus Christ healed me and he touched me, that, would, that was a big deal because like this whole societal thing. Exactly. I mean, that's what I thought because I feel like back then it was the priests in all the biblical stories, the priests that were looked on as like the bad people, you know, they're so into tradition, they don't believe in Jesus, but 
in this story, I see that Jesus is still trying to even touch them, not just, you know, like the lepers and the fishermen and, you know, harlots and stuff like, people like that. So that's the way. So as we look more into the study uh, for this week, we see a story about the Roman centurion. Um, what, what exactly happens in that story you want to share with us? Yeah, so, you know, as we all probably know, the centurion comes to Jesus and he asks for healing for his servant. Then because he believes, uh, you know, Jesus heals him and Jesus is marveled at his, um, at his faith. Uh, personally, I always, when, you know, reading this story, I think how, what am I doing that, or what, you know, what should I be doing so that Jesus is marveling at me in a good way, you know, mm. and so... I feel like that. One of the impressive things about this story, the centurion himself, uh, to me was that, you know, he probably didn't even think he was worthy to have Jesus himself come into his home and heal his servant. Mm -hmm. And so the faith that he expressed to simply have Jesus speak the word mm. and he would believe that his servant could be healed. Yeah. Um, that always resonates with me because you know, sometimes we are, we're looking for signs, we're looking right. for answers, mm -hmm. and you know, we can't, we can't move forward unless we know that we've, you know, got, received an answer. So we, we've got to usually paint these scenarios where like, okay, God, <laughs> if you do this, this, and this, then I, then I know for sure that that's, that's me. the way I should that's move. That's me. <laughs> you know? Uh, but sometimes it's really just a matter of faith. Yeah. You know, right. stepping out and not necessarily having that sign not necessarily, you know, being assured in that moment that um, what you've been asked to do or what you are setting out to do is the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the centurion story shows us the strength of faith. And for someone who would not have necessarily been a person of faith, for their blind faith to have been so great, yeah. That that tells me something about how I need to develop my stance in faith mm. as exactly. well. Exactly. Right. And I was very impressed also with who the centurion was. I think you touched on this a little bit, but he could have gone to anybody. He was a man of power. He probably mm -hmm. had a lot at his disposal. He probably had doctors. He probably had people who could take care of his servant, but he came to Jesus and it wasn't even, he didn't come to him from a place of, pride or place of power or authority. He's just like, I know how this authority thing works and I see you as a man of authority. So you can just command it to be so and it will be. And he didn't have any question. He just put it out there. He was like, I know how this works. You can do this. Don't even bother coming into my household. Just say it and it'll be done. Mm. So. And another, I guess, a different perspective of uh, uh, this story that just came to me was, um, this centurion who did have a lot of power and, you know, he, he had a good standing in society and he was a Roman. Um, the person who he wanted healing for was a servant, right? Exactly. Why would he want healing for his servant? Couldn't he, you know, just find another servant? I mean, he was the Roman centurion and he would go all the way to Jesus and have so much faith to heal his servant, right? And that to me is something I didn't really, you know, see in this story before and learn because that is, um, that shows how uh, he, he 
he saw the servant as not someone lower than him, probably, and that's why he, you know, he cared for his servant. He, he wanted healing for his servant, and um, that's what we were talking about earlier, about, you know, the untouchables and how, um, you know, we shouldn't think that we are better or, or right. higher than anyone. Exactly. Was, were you going to say something as well? Oh, um, I agree. <laughs> something, something that stuck out to me in the story, which I've never noticed before, or maybe understood, was that the centurions weren't allowed to have family. Yeah. Families, unless they had a certain amount of years, I guess, in, <coughs> in service. And so for that reason, uh, that servant may have been his only family. And so when you think about it, we don't know if it, it was a male or if it was a female. It could have been an older man mm. who would have, would have been maybe like a father figure to him mm. or a brother figure. Uh, we, we don't know. But I think what, what is impressive about the relationship that, that they had was, like you said, he could have gone to a doctor, mm. and perhaps he had. He could have gone to other physicians, and maybe he had, and, and didn't find the healing that he was looking for. But to, but to know that he could find the healing in Christ without, I'm assuming, having been exposed to a strong stance in faith or faith-based principles, I, I think this, is, this makes me want to study more about, about that time period. And, yeah. and I want to know more about the centurion. I want to know more about, I don't know how to go about it, but I want to know more about how these, these family groups were defined. Exactly. You know, the, mm. it helps. I think it helps give a stronger perspective to why his faith was so great. Yeah. Right. And um, another thing that stood out to me in the study about the centurion, in the way that it's actually placed in scripture, how it comes right after the healing of the leper, is that the centurion was untouchable in a sense himself, societally. The 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 Jewish nation just didn't see him as being holy. It was sort of, he was untouchable in that he was a Gentile. So for him to come to Jesus for the healing of his servant was an amazing feat of faith in and of itself because he knew how they felt. Right, so after our centurion story, I think um, for further study, it talks about the demon and the pigs, <laughs> which is always interesting. So I just, um, what, what was so significant about, you know, Jesus' whole conversation with the demon himself, do you guys feel? One of the most significant things to me is the fact that it, it wasn't a singular demon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always a little flabbergasted by that. It was, you know, legion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. That is scary. Right? <laughs> you know, like... Did that did that demon have a voice of a thousand individuals? You know what did that sound like? Was it scary? You know, and 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 for 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 a a, a powerful um, being like a demon to kind of somehow sarcastically approach Jesus and like, have you come here? to torment us sooner than our time. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you know we can't really do anything to you, so just give us a break and throw us into the, into the swine. You know, that interaction to me has always been interesting. It's like they know who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. They know who Christ is. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so cool because I feel like that gives 
that gives reference to the strength and power of Christ, mm. that even uh, demons, you know, shudder at his presence. Exactly. And, and they, they kind of have to take a step back because who knows what kind of havoc the people that they entered were wreaking on the individuals in their society yeah. as demon-possessed individuals. I'm sure they were frightening to other people and oh, they yeah. probably got some sort of satisfaction in seeing the fear and destruction that they were bringing. But the moment Jesus comes along, they're like, okay, 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 whoa, whoa. You know, just, okay, throw us into the pigs. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the fact that the pigs themselves then go and drown themselves right. in the water. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think the whole thing is interesting. It is, and I think that something that we can sort of stand on in faith that these demons know who Jesus is, and Jesus, these are my children. So even in the things that we deal with from day to day, demons can't touch us if we're claiming the power and the blood of Jesus, because right. they know who he is. They know who is, what his power is like. So um, all the things that scare us, all the things that we think are huge temptations or huge stumbling blocks, they're really not that big. Right, yeah, so in addition to what you said, I feel like um, in the story, you know, the demons ask Jesus to send them into the pain. Yeah. And if they're asking and Jesus is answering that, I feel like things that I, you know, I'm a child of God, you know, so I should, mm. the things that I ask, how much more would Jesus answer that mm. for me? Mm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But also towards the end of the story, um, I don't think it's in Matthew, but in another gospel, mm -hmm. it talks about how the man was at Jesus' feet and asking if he could go with him. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus says, uh, no, I want you to, you know, go back to your hometown. So why do you think Jesus does that? I mean, said that instead of asking him to follow me, I mean, follow him. Yeah, uh, like it was mentioned before, uh, this demon-possessed man, it, I, I guess it's not necessarily in Matthew, but people were afraid of him. They were, he was breaking out of chains and doing, wreaking all this havoc. And for, you know, after Jesus healed him, he was just sitting at the foot of Jesus, just as calm as can be. And people were seeing this, like, what's going on? And um, I think that's definitely a witness to the power of Jesus. And that's a very powerful one, even more so than Jesus being there himself, because the people actually asked Jesus to leave because they were afraid but to have this man sitting there knowing what he was and what he was after his encounter with Jesus was a powerful witness it's like a living testimony exactly you know Jesus can't stay so he can leave this individual behind who once was mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. is you know. exactly so I mean if you look at the you know it's it's nice hearing that are that people are healed and you know the demons are out and everything um, but in today's world, uh, and even back then, you know, there were people who did pray and who I'm sure have had faith and still have faith and are praying now. So how do we, you know, their, their prayers may not have been answered. You know, they have faith that um, they want their child to be healed or they want themselves or their spouse to be healed from this, you know, cancer or whatever, and they have so much faith and yet they still, you know, pass away. Um, so how, you know, how can you explain if, if it's like a kid, a six-year-old kid um, who's, who's going, who's really, really sick, right? Innocent kids, right? Kids are so innocent. And then they're praying to God and, you know, their prayer is not answered or it's answered to some other way and they're not healed. You know, how do you explain that? How do you explain that to them? 
and say, you know, not everyone is will be healed. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, comfort that? It's, it's such a tough question. I think I think that um, you you have to also think about how, you know when they say the faith of a little child. You know, the faith of a little child is is not necessarily weak. There's mm -hmm. a there's a there's a belief right. mm -hmm. that anything that they will ask for will be given. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a child though, introducing them to faith and scripture, they have to be made aware that not this isn't a wish list either. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because there has to be a depth to what it is they're asking, mm -hmm. and so um, you know we can't always expect to see every prayer answered the way we would expect it to be answered. And so that's a very hard concept, I think, to, yeah, to yeah. introduce to a child or maybe someone new in a faith. Um, mm -hmm. But the development of faith, I think, soon and soon will lend itself to seeing some of those things come through to fruition. Exactly. And I think sort of um, the way I think about it is, you know, because there was the whole um, child reference, I think about how I interact with my own parents and sometimes they, I ask them for something and the answer isn't what I want to hear. Um, but because of my relationship with my parents, I know that they do have my best interest at heart and they would never do anything intentionally to hurt me. Um, and that whatever their decision is, it was for my benefit. It might not feel that way at the time, but even as an adult, I see that with God, it's not always easy, but that's how I have to look at it. Right. I feel like um, so. Uh, speaking about, you know, why that's about like you're you're following God's will because you love God. You know, it's about our relationship should be its reference in the Bible, like a marital type of relationship. So you always trust in His will, even if things don't go right. what right. you want. Yeah, we've had a good, good study, and I wish we can keep going. Um, but, you know, what, what did you guys take away from, from today's study, that, our discussion that uh, we talked about? We can start with you. Uh, my takeaway from, you know, the, the healing, faith and healing and get up and walk, I, when I think about how I interact with um, sickness, death, faith, hope, um, my takeaway is a connection to the Holy Spirit. Mm. There's a peace and there's a comfort that comes with knowing that when you have a connection with the Holy Spirit, it will help reveal purpose to you that you may not have ever understood. Right. For me, it was, it's about like that personal connection with God. You know, you're not just there to ask him a list of things that you want, but you know, there's that giving back and loving the Lord that you really just have to have that personal relationship regardless. Um, for me, I think it was sort of, I have a tendency to look at faith as a singular thing, but it's easy to forget who we're having faith in. And Christ is so powerful that demons flee and scatter. So just to know who we have the faith in could really grow our faith in having a relationship right. with him. Right. Thank you all for joining us. And I'm sure, you know, as long as we have the faith in God and know that He's in control over everything, um, we can have our physical healing will not overpower our spiritual healing and our life in eternity. Thank you for joining us at Sabbath School University. Mm -hmm.